Sunday right now. It's Sunday morning. So Christ is risen and you can say at home, he's risen indeed. Let's talk to the Lord for a minute before um, I share with you where we're going this morning. Lord Jesus, you have defeated death. You have defeated sin. You are Lord and our Saviour. We love you and we worship you this morning. We thank you, Lord, that though we're side apart from each other, that we can be together in spirit and that we can share this good news together. And we ask, Lord, that on this Easter Sunday, your good news would go far and wide all across the world and that people would hear this news for the first time and come to put their trust in you, Jesus. You alone are worthy of all our trust. So we commit our time to you. In Jesus' name. So all things work together for good for those who trust God who are calling Lord according to his purpose. And even though we're isolated this morning, something good has come out of it where you may have sensed, I don't know if you can sense from your lounge room or from wherever you are, that we're bigger this morning. We're bigger because we're gathered um, together. Um, this is the, the usual um, place for the Baptist Church to meet, but we're also meeting together with uh, the Living Waters Church this morning and uh, South Walker Anglican and St. Aidan's and the pastors are here with us today. We're going to hear from each of those as well as um, David from Walker Baptist. We're also uh, coming to you and you may be listening to what was like FM so we'll be thankful what, uh, 101.9 and we're going to pray we're going to sing we're going to listen to God's word together we've also got something very special for the kids so lots to look forward to so let's join together now and sing to the Lord
The good news from the Gospel according to John, Jesus' closest friend. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb, and they were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he, he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went, and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Now Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying, the angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave, and she saw someone standing there. Now, it was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying, Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? Now, she thought he was the gardener, so she said, Sir, if, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go get him. And Jesus said, Mary. And she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher, don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and, and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. Now that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. And he said, Peace. Be with you. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. If you do not forgive them, well, they're not forgiven. One of the disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. And they told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Now, eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. And the doors were locked again. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. And he said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. And then Jesus told him, you believe because you've seen me? Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Now the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the one recorded, the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. This is the good news of Easter. 
Well, good morning. My name's Scott Good. I'm the Senior Minister at St Albans Anglican Church at Beringal and also St Paul's Anglican Church at Turvey Park. We call ourselves South Wagga Anglican Church. I want to invite you this morning to begin to believe. Maybe for you, to believe is just too big a step, but to begin to believe, maybe that's just possible. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the most extraordinary claim that you will ever believe and an extraordinary claim requires good reasons to believe does it not and this morning I want to share with you some reasons why I believe and why I believe this Easter account of the empty tomb and the resurrected Jesus has a ring of authenticity about it firstly look at who discovers the empty tomb early on the first day of the week while it was still dark Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed. If you were trying to make up a resurrection story, uh, market a new religion, uh, begin a, a new movement called Christianity, the one thing you would not do is have Mary Magdalene as the first eyewitness at the tomb. Mary was a nobody from a fishing village up on the... Hello, boys and girls. My name's Ryan. In fact, more than that, she was an unstable woman. She was psychologically disturbed until Jesus brought healing into her life. Moreover, in the ancient world, women were not considered to be reliable witnesses in culture and in law courts. In other words, these texts were written in sexist times. And yet, here she is, the first to the tomb. And then later on, she proclaims the resurrection of the Lord to the 12 male disciples. I've seen the Lord, she says. She's the bearer of testimony, a pivotal witness to the empty tomb and the resurrected Lord Jesus in a culture that doesn't recognize her testimony as a woman. Now, if you were wanting to fabricate a resurrection account, this would be a counterproductive way to go about it. The only reason you would write an account like this, historians tell us, is if it actually happened in this way. This is why historians look at a text like this and say this has a ring of authenticity to it. Which brings me to another reason for believing this extraordinary claim, and I find this one uh, personally compelling, the transformation of those eyewitnesses. Nobody is expecting this resurrection to take place, neither Mary, nor Peter, nor John, nor anybody. Even though Jesus had consistently taught it, perhaps vaguely or symbolically over the years, none of them turned up that morning expecting it to take place. Frankly, if you look at the gospel accounts of the disciples, they're often portrayed as a little bit dull and not getting what's going on. And when historians analyse the reliability of ancient texts like this, they use the criterion of embarrassment. That is, if texts are likely to cause embarrassment to the writer, they're more likely to be reliable, is the reasoning. Uh, if you were to write something about yourself, if I was to write something about myself, I'd write, write about myself in the best light possible. But these disciples who wrote these accounts are confused. They're flighty, they're reluctant to believe. In fact, after the death of Jesus, they're thinking about getting on with their life and returning to their professions. And yet, within a few weeks of encountering the risen Jesus and hearing him speak, 
they turn into the most courageous and powerful missionary movement that this world has ever seen. Eleven of those disciples lose their life for their claim that they saw the resurrected Jesus. Would you die for a lie? What is more rational, that these early eyewitnesses along with hundreds and then thousands all made up a story and died for it? Or is it more rational that it really did happen, that these texts that we have here on Easter Sunday are accounts that are authentic and reliable? Now, I don't know what you think about all that, but I love that we are invited, even in this account of the empty tomb, I love that we are invited to begin a journey of belief. When John arrived to the tomb, it says in verse 8 and 9 that he reached the tomb, he went inside, he saw and believed. But then it says right afterwards, they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. I love that even here, he doesn't have it all worked out. He's still confused. He sees and he believes. Or perhaps he begins to believe. And I don't have it all worked out. I don't understand everything about God. I don't understand everything about myself. I'd love more proof that God exists. I'd love more proof about the resurrection of Jesus. You, like me, might have a bit of a sceptical part to your personality. Well, you are in good company. Neither Mary, nor Peter, nor John turned up on that first Easter morning imagining in their wildest dreams that there would be an empty tomb. But they took their first tentative steps of belief, as I have mine, and as you too are invited to this morning, to begin to believe. God bless you on this Easter morning. Hello, boys and girls. My name's Ryan. What would you say when you greet someone? That's right, you'd say hello. Or in Australia, you might say good day. But I wonder what you'd say in other parts of the world. For example, in France, you might say bonjour. In Germany, guten Tag. In Spain, hola. In Japan, konnichiwa. If you're in Kenya, you could say habiri. If you're in Hawaii, you could use your hands and sign aloha. If you were in America in the 90s, you could use a similar sign but say, what's up? I'm from South Africa, and in South Africa, we can say hi in many different ways. Huyamora, molo, saubona. What about in Russia? Strasvutje. Every country has a different way to say hello when they greet someone. There's another greeting that's going to appear in one of our Easter messages today. Make sure that you look out for it, and that is the word shalom. Shalom. Can you say that word? That's right. Shalom is the Jewish greeting and it means peace. Now, boys and girls, our true story from the Bible today, Jesus uses the greeting shalom, peace, when he meets up with his disciples. Except that when he does that, he gives his disciples a very big surprise. Do you know why? Well, because his disciples thought that Jesus was dead. And boys and girls, dead people don't say hello. You see, the disciples were in a locked room. Uh, I'm in my 
son's cubby house. It's, it's rather open, but they were in an enclosed room that nobody else could get in. It was locked. They were inside it, and Jesus appeared right before them. Now, the reason they were inside that room is because they were scared. They were running away from the Roman authorities and the Jewish leaders, the people who had killed Jesus, and they were scared and they were hiding out. But Jesus appears before them and he says, Shalom, don't be afraid. It's me, your friend. Boys and girls, on Easter Sunday, we remember that Jesus defeated death and came alive again. That's how powerful he is. He defeated death and came alive again. And not only that, he went back to his friends to show them that he was alive and to give them his peace. Boys and girls, we can often be afraid by what's going on in the world today. But when we're friends with Jesus, we don't have to be afraid. When we're friends with Jesus, He gives us His peace. Well, boys and girls all across the world today, whether it's in France or in Germany or in Africa or in America or Russia or even here in Australia, People are worshipping Jesus because they've become His friends. And so can you. Peace be with you. Bye. Hello everyone, how's it going? Today I've got a very special guest and we're going to sing a duet. Gaffles. Yes, oh, I'm Gaffles, and we're going to we're going to sing a duet. Yes. Yep, a very special song. A duet, kids. a duet for two people. A duet for two people. That is fantastic. You've got your twelve-string guitar. I do. Yes, but you, but you only have, children. You only have ten fingers. I know. I'm working on growing a couple of Great extra idea. so I can yep, reach I have them. Four fingers, so I can play four-fingered instruments like things with four strings, like a bass guitar. Or like four drums at the one time. Yeah, but, but today we're going to sing. We are. We're yep. going to sing a song and it's going to be about Jesus because yep. he did something incredible. Yep. And we're actually celebrating it today. What? Yeah, oh, I know you, what he did. I know oh, what he tell did. me, tell me. Yep, he found some toilet paper at Aldi. Enough of it to use. Yep. That's uh, what we're Does that sound today. right? No, no, no. Oh, I don't no, think no, it's... No, no. Have another guess. Uh, oh, I know, I know. Jesus... Mm. rose up yep. from the grave. That's exactly he rose right. Up and we celebrate that on Easter. Yes, and so we get to sing that. Oh, I love it. Okay, let's sing. You ready? Yes. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Oh, I know this one. Oh, who can save the day? Take our sins away Who can rescue us With mighty power Ready? Super Savior to the rescue Super Savior mighty to save Look, look, here comes Jesus Up, up and out of the grave Super Savior to the rescue Super Savior mighty to save 
death crusher. Sin smasher. Who's the mighty super savior? Jesus. He's the death crusher. Sin smasher. Who's the mighty super savior? Jesus. One, two, three, four. Let's rock it out. Easter. I reckon yep. that was the best song ever and the, the best, best rendition ever. Oh, oh, exactly. I think so too. Go Wagga Wagga. Yep. yep. High five. High five. Well, I'm David Strong and I'm from Wagga Baptist Church and I want to continue to look at John chapter 20 starting at verse 19. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. So here's the picture. As Scott had pointed out, Mary Magdalene had gone to the tomb early in the morning and found it empty. Two disciples, hearing this, ran to the tomb and found it just as Mary had said. But now, here we are, the evening of that very same day, the disciples, gathered together in a room with the doors locked. Maybe just 10 of them because Judas has dropped out and as uh, John's going to point out in a moment, Thomas wasn't there. The doors were locked for fear of the Jews. The disciples were actually really frightened because the Jewish leaders had just killed Jesus and here they are, um, the disciples of Christ, it was every likelihood that, that the, they all come after the disciples as well. So here they are, locked in a room. But listen to this. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Jesus is, stood among them. The one that for three years they had loved and, and followed. The one that had filled their hearts to overflowing with teaching from God like they'd never heard before. The one that had demonstrated with such authority and power um, who he was by signs. And their hopes as his disciples had soared to the heavens. But also the Most brutal and merciless death, shattering all their dreams. 
death would look like. I don't know how confused and broken and they were, but now Jesus could see. Stood among them. How did he get there? No one knew. But he says, peace be with you. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Because here, in front of their very eyes, he was showing himself that death could not hold him. The image in my mind is like in a, in a boxing ring. And here is the Christ, and here is death. And it seems right from, from surface that death had won. That death had won. But now, three days later, here he is standing with, as it were, death under his feet. Do you know what this means? cross people have been saying if you're the Messiah, if you're the Christ come down from the cross, there was a question mark over who he was but you see that this means that he is indeed who he claimed to be, the Christ the Messiah and so in fact Jesus is greater than all their wildest imaginings, not only was he bringing the kingdom in his earthly life through his teaching and healing and driving out evil spirits but now the king was here with death conquered, all that was written about him in ancient times was fulfilled. And he said, peace be with you. You know, in John chapter 20, Jesus says, peace be with you three times. When Jesus says something three times, you've really got to stop and say, The word peace in Hebrew is shalom. And, and the meaning of shalom really is something like complete wholeness, complete well-being, psychological, physical, social, spiritual. And when Jesus is saying, peace be with you, out of all the words that he could have said, when he first appeared, risen from the grave, he could have said, I've won the victory. He could have said, where were you when I was dying? None of that. What does he say? He says, peace. Peace be with you. Peace because Jesus is bringing peace to our lives. Peace to the world. He's restoring creation. Maybe you say, well, how can this be? Do you know last night, watch the news and you did probably too and death and disease are ravaging the world last night I'm, I'm with you I'm just sort of horrified at, at the death we're seeing across the world and you say well how can it be that this Lord Jesus is renewing and bringing hope to the world well the last verse in our passage together helps us understand because this is what it says it says, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. And with this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. As the Father sent me, Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit. 
promising that he would. So, so just as the Father sent Jesus into the world to bring hope and salvation to a lost and broken and hurting world, Jesus is saying, I am sending you. The Father sent me to bring redemption and salvation to this world. And he breathes on the disciples. Can you imagine that? He breathes on the disciples and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. You won't be going without empowerment. This precious gift that Christ gives. No one else could have given this gift. You cannot see me, but he fills believers with strength and power. So here is the trinity. The Father sending the Son, the Son sending the disciples and filling them with the Spirit. And here's the promise. No matter who you are, no matter where you are and what your life is, if you turn to Christ, he promises salvation and the filling of his Spirit. Jesus hid among us. He was alive. And just as Jesus was sent by the Father into the world in love, and he went into the world in just complete dependence and relationship with his Father, so we now, his disciples, are sent into the world to walk with him and have a, a knowledge of Christ. Just as Jesus came into the world and it was extremely costly for him, so it's going to be costly for us. Jesus makes that quite clear. And just as Jesus was sent into the world to gather lost sheep from all the nations, so we are sent into the world as believers in him through the gospel for this great purpose. This is the promise of God to us in Christ, that he will be with us, his living hope. Judge and our defender, suffered and crucified, forgiveness is in
Good morning, everyone. My name's John Bly. I'm from St Aidan's Presbyterian Church. And uh, it's great to be part of this uh, combined church's service on this Easter Sunday. And it was great uh, earlier uh, that um, Dale began the service with the really the traditional Christian greeting on Easter Sunday, which is to, well, normally is how we would do it in our church, the uh, the, whoever's leading the service would begin by saying, Christ is risen, to which the congregation would then respond, He is risen indeed. Now, it is a bit harder for us to practice that tradition today, uh, not able to meet in a large group. But I would like for us, just in the next couple of minutes, as we come to the, the last section of John chapter 30 today, to think about those words, uh, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And really I would, like to think, I would like for you to think about that personally, about whether they are words that you believe. Because to say those words is really to make a strong statement about what you believe about Jesus. Now we've uh, heard much about Jesus and his resurrection in our service so far. Uh, we've sung about uh, what he did on that first Easter Sunday. Uh, we've heard the story of the empty tomb, how the grave clothes were still lying there. Uh, we've heard the reports and the sightings of some of the first witnesses. But really as we come now to the final scene here in chapter 20 of John's Gospel, well, I think the question now turns to us and it's a question of belief. See, do you believe this? Do we believe that Christ is risen, that he is risen indeed? See, it's that question that Thomas, who was one of Jesus' 12 disciples, is wrestling with himself. Uh, because what we're told here is that Jesus had appeared to the other disciples on the evening of that first Easter Sunday. Uh, but Thomas, who was one of the 12, was not there. Now, where exactly he was, uh, we're not really told. Uh, probably he had chosen to have some time on his own. Uh, and we also don't know if it was that same evening or whether it was the next day that Thomas then rejoined the group. But when he did, well, he now finds the other disciples full of joy. 
And in their joy, uh, if you see in verse 25, it says this. It says, the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Now, I want you to, just for a moment, put yourself in Thomas's shoes and to think about how you might have responded if you were in his situation. Well, the response that we see from Thomas, I think, is quite an understandable one. It's a response of disbelief. And uh, he tells them, doesn't he? He says, unless I can see the nail marks myself, unless I can see and unless I can touch those wounds, then I will never believe, he says. Now, I say that that's an understandable response because really that is exactly how the other disciples responded as well when they first heard the news. Uh, In Luke's Gospel, we're told that it was the women who first brought that report back uh, of the empty tomb, but their message was dismissed by the others as nonsense. And so Thomas here is not really asking for any special treatment. Instead, just as the other disciples only believed when they saw Jesus with their own eyes, well, that is exactly what Thomas is here asking for as well. Well, uh, as we keep reading, uh, the account then moves on in verse 26 to then a week later. And I think it's not surprising, is it, that during that week, well, Thomas has gone nowhere. Uh, And I imagine it was probably quite a strange week for him. The others around him filled with joy, probably speaking about what they had seen and heard, but then Thomas there that whole time still filled with doubt. But then what we read is that one week later, there's, well, there's almost an exact repeat of Jesus' earlier appearance. We're told that again, the disciples were gathered in the house. And again, the doors were locked. And then again, Jesus appears. And he greets his disciples with that same greeting as before, a greeting of peace. Now, the only difference this time between that earlier occasion and this one is that now Thomas is there. And so Jesus turns to this disciple who had said with such certainty earlier that he would never believe unless he could see and touch. And well, Jesus says to him, doesn't he? He says, Jesus invites him, see my hands, touch my side. Stop doubting and believe. Now, friends, again, put yourself now in Thomas's shoes. Because here is Jesus standing before him. The same Jesus who three years earlier had called him to be his follower. The one who just a few days earlier Thomas had seen crucified and then, and then laid in the tomb. Well, now this same Jesus stands before him risen. And for Thomas, well, seeing was believing. Because as he now sees the scars of the cross before his eyes, well, how could he not believe? In this moment, his doubt vanishes and now full of certainty, he says to Jesus, my Lord and my God. 
Because, friends, in seeing Jesus before him, well, he now really sees. He sees who this Jesus really is. See, right throughout Jesus' ministry, we've seen different disciples kind of growing in their understanding, recognising who this man Jesus is. Uh, Right at the very beginning, uh, Nathaniel, we don't really hear very much of, he came to Jesus and said, Rabbi, teacher, you are the king of Israel. Then much later, just before Jesus would come into Jerusalem and, and uh, be crucified, well, Peter made that confession saying, you are the Christ, the king of Israel. But now Thomas, at this moment, Thomas sees even clearer. See, more than a teacher, more than the Christ, my Lord and my God. And yet, friends, the last word here is not from Thomas, but from Jesus. And it's a word we see that's not only for Thomas, but it is for all who would come after him. See, this is a word for you and me today. Jesus says there in Verse 29 to Thomas, he says, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. See, friends, we cannot reach out our hand and touch Jesus as Thomas could. But I want to say that we need not envy him because instead we have the record of those who were at the first eyewitnesses. These things have been recorded and written for us so that we might believe, so that we might believe what Thomas believed, and so like him be filled with joy as we with him worship my Lord and my God as we respond that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Have a blessed Easter. Good morning. I'm Martha Lesby and I come from Mountain Park. Next we have prayers of thanks and our thoughts of our thoughts. Dearest Heavenly Father, Holy Almighty God, wonderful, your throne of grace, with joyful, happy hearts, full of gratitude for your love, mercy and grace to us. We thank you especially because this love, mercy and grace is demonstrated by what Jesus did for us on the cross, suffering so much and dying for us, that by belief in him we are set free from our sins. But we thank you for the greatest miracle of all. Thank you for raising Jesus. Thank you for his glorious resurrection to life. We thank you that you have brought us, talked with him, ate with him, so we know that this We thank you that he defeated death and that this defeat of death is a gift of grace to us when we put our trust in Jesus and surrender to him. We thank you, Father, that Christ Jesus is alive, that he is the ascended Christ who is seated at your right hand now in glory. We thank you that he is interceding for us in our prayers for you right now. What a friend we have in Jesus. Thank you. We pray this will be our great hope in the midst of the coronavirus. It's great to be able to meet as the Verse Tech family throughout the city. 
We thank you for the development of technology which has made this possible in difficult circumstances. We thank you for the people in North Kirkwood who have set this up and communicated this to everyone. We pray that we will all continue to support one another and build each other up. May we be, be aware of those who are vulnerable, housebound and lonely and show them that your love will not go without its reward. May this be a time where people who reject you return to you and gain comfort, peace and faith in what you have accomplished. We pray for our politicians, Ed Lilly and in New South Wales. May they be given wisdom to make good decisions to keep as many people safe as possible. And we thank you that they acted as swiftly and strictly as they have in the last few weeks. But we think of, in our prayers, people in Europe, and especially in the USA, all these places where death rates are so high. We especially pray for Christians in these countries. Please sustain them and keep them in your loving care. May we not be fearful, and may we trust that whatever may happen, we cannot be separated from your love that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. We pray also for persecuted Christians and for those working to preach the gospel in places where your word is not known. Please encourage them, knowing they will receive the crown of glory when they come. May we seek your face in all circumstances. May we remain confident in you and see your goodness. Please may we be strong and take heart and wait for the day when your son Jesus will come and take away all doubt, fear and anxiety. As we now pray the prayer that Jesus prayed, our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it, as it is in heaven. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and deliver us from evil. And may yours be the power and the glory forever. Let me, as we draw our service to a close, give a traditional Easter blessing. The God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you what is pleasing in his sight, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst us and remain with us always. Amen. If you've been, uh, if you're at home, thank you, wherever you are, whenever you're watching this, thank you for being with us. I hope you've enjoyed our, um, our bigger gathering today uh, across the churches, remembering that Christ is risen. I think I can hear you saying, he is risen indeed. If you're at home and you're struggling in isolation, can I please encourage you to reach out to um, your church and make pick up the phone and, and reach out. But also just remember that the disciples who were huddled together with the doors locked, their isolation wasn't a barrier to Christ and Christ came in and he was with them. And Christ, your isolation is no barrier to the Lord Jesus Christ. Call on him.
and that he will be with you at all times. So may you have a, a blessed resurrection coming.